Welcome to another episode of Talkin' Jacks. This is a Talkin' Goose feature where I was joined by David Carl, all the way from New Mexico. He is the president of The Curse, which is a supporter group for New Mexico United, uh, unsurprisingly. He is also the uh, co-host of The Curse Cast, uh, which is a team-specific podcast about that New Mexico United. But we talk about his uh, his journey in the soccerverse today, how it spans all of North America. I learned a lot about his story, um, how him growing up in South Florida um, informed his soccer perspective, uh, how being in Pennsylvania, uh, more specifically Philadelphia, helped him view soccer supporter culture as it is today, uh, all the way in New Mexico, of course, it's uh, both informative and I feel a bit inspiring uh, in a lot of ways of what uh, the curse has been able to pull off. But I hope you do enjoy it, and uh, thanks for listening. Here is that interview with David Carl. I am joined now by David Carl, all the way from New Mexico, obviously over the interwebs, uh, the internet, I think it's the technical term, or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining the podcast, David, and... Uh, taking some time out of your schedule yeah thanks for having me i'm uh, happy to be here a uh socially distanced by quite uh, a few margins there north carolina to new mexico but uh excited to be on the pod thanks for having me goose yeah it's this is another just to kind of give a uh introduction to this type of thing it's going to be very similar to the most recent episode i did with uh matt tw Bo round and round uh, just going to kind of go over the origin story of David Carl, touch base with New Mexico United, of course, and, of course, the curse, the curse cast, things of that. But let's kind of take a step back there, David. Uh, where did you, if you had to take some steps back, where did, what was like your first experience with soccer watching soccer playing soccer whatever the case may be yeah yeah so i i grew up in south florida uh in the fort lauderdale miami area um so my well it's it's a very soccer fervent area uh people love soccer there youth soccer is huge there i grew up playing soccer um but my intro to professional soccer as it were uh was fort lauderdale strikers uh and the miami fusion both of those in separate years. Yeah, I grew up watching Carlos Valderrama in Miami. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, was a die-in-the-wool, born-and-raised uh, Arsenal supporter since I was about four or five years old. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse, mostly a curse lately. Um, but uh, yeah, so since I was a little kid, it was just been it's just been in my blood. I've you know been supporting Arsenal forever, and again, it, it's just something that I fell in love with. I've always loved sports. Sports is great, but... For me, it was always uh, soccer over everything uh, from a young age. Really? So was that, would you say your first sports love was soccer or, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I, uh, I grew, like I said, I grew up on it. You know, I liked baseball. Baseball was always fun for me. Um, and being, growing up in South Florida uh, was really cool because you had all these minor league teams. And so, yeah. you know, we, we were in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, but we could go over to Jupiter and watch the Hammerheads or we could go to Tampa and watch the Yankees. And there were there's, you know, six, seven, eight teams there that you could go see. And we always had fun with that. But for me, it was always the Strikers matches and and the, the Fusion matches that I loved more than anything. And the occasional times where you could see some English soccer on TV back then, <laughs> uh, 
didn't happen all too often. Um, but uh, but when I could, I would get the Arsenal highlights. I would see what I could see on the old timey Sports Center with Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, and uh, get some soccer highlights when I could. Yeah, that's really cool. So this is kind of a, a detour, uh, as I told you before we started recording, that I'm very curious on that we touched uh, that you touched base on there. Uh, I've heard a very little bit about the Miami Fusion. Uh, well, it was a very short tenure, of course, but uh, what was it like being a fan for uh, a club like that back then? It, it, what was your experience? Well, I mean, one of the cool things looking back on it was just how awesome it was to to go to a stadium every week or whenever we would go uh, as historic as Lockhart. You don't realize how historic that is until, uh, you know, you look back on it. And I mean, it's one of the birthplaces of American soccer, really one of the kind of the founding fathers of U S soccer stadiums and soccer specific stadiums. And I loved it there. And I actually, when I was in, uh, I think eighth grade, we played our middle school championship game on Lockhart stadiums field. It was so cool. Um, yeah. but yeah, back then, I mean, like I said, in, in it was, I think it was 1998 when Carlos Valderrama came to Miami. Um, and that was just, for me, that was amazing. Again, I was kind of the, the kid in, in school, like everybody liked soccer, but I was the kid in school who just really liked soccer. And if, if yeah. people like wanted to talk about soccer, they would talk to me. And it was so like when Carlos Valderrama came into town, everybody was like, this is like a big name. This is like a like, tell us about this guy. Carlos Valderrama is like, well, he's got a giant afro. Uh, yeah. And we, we just kind of went from there. Uh, but no, it was really, really cool. Um, you know, Miami had one good year. Um, the strikers obviously off on and then off and then back on again years later. Um, I, I miss it. You know, I, I, I missed, I really, that was, that was a, a great place to cut your teeth in the soccer community, I think for me. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of, uh, fueled my, fueled my love for the game. How do you think being, or I guess attending being a sport or whatever you want to call it, uh, of the Fort Lauderdale strikers, and the Miami Fusion, and in general, that area of soccer or area of Florida uh, informed or yeah, how do you think it informed your fandom nowadays? Not to jump too far ahead, of course, sure. But, but how do you think that is has helped your soccer fandom being exposed to that much soccer and that type of soccer early on? Yeah, I think. I think part of that, um, you know, I wasn't what I would consider like a supporter back then. You know, I, I was I just went with me and my family would go to a game every once in a while. You know, we would we would go and it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I had I had a jersey and I and I loved going to the game, but games. But I didn't really I didn't really I wasn't involved in supporters culture as a, you know, a yeah. single digit as an eight year old. You know, you weren't the first uh, one there, last one to leave kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it also helped that I was supporting a team that wasn't particularly good um, at times. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good way to cut your teeth. Uh, you set your expectations low. And then when anything good happens, well, that's, that's uh, an extra bonus, you know. Are, so Are we talking about Miami soccer or, uh, or Arsenal? Are we? <laughs> yeah, a bit of both. A bit of both. Well, good back then those were the glory days oh so yeah, yeah yeah true sorry yeah, I'm, a I'm more recent arsenal supporters so it's all i know is pain unfortunately yeah, yeah you um, <laughs> get used to it man it's it's pretty terrible it's pretty awful yeah. um but no it was it was a lot of fun um and i think another thing that i really liked about it and again this may seem a little counterintuitive is that 
the club didn't draw particularly well. Um, you know, they started off like a bat out of hell. I think they had like 20,000 at their first match or something like that, which was great. Yeah. Um, but as they stopped performing as well, Miami sports fans are notoriously fickle. Uh, they've got other things that they'd rather do. That's why the Marlins don't draw and the Dolphins don't draw and the Heat and the Panthers don't draw, you know. Yeah. Um, so when, when the Fusion started losing matches, people stopped showing up and they lost something like $250 million over the course of their existence. So uh, it was, it was I think, again, good to see, good to, for, for me anyway, good to be part of something that failed early, you know, yeah. uh, so, so that I could really appreciate when things go well if that yeah i think it's it's got to be interesting i i would i don't know how to nicely put this but i'll put it this way either way i think there's you learn a lot as a soccer fan and a sports fan in general when your team isn't very good yeah um quite honestly or is or or it's a roller coaster in a lot of ways where you don't know what you're going to get into uh week to week or when you're I, I guess punching up on other competition or whatever the case may be. Sure. I, I definitely think you, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I've been on the reverse side of that and I would like to have been uh, a supporter of whether it's a soccer team or, or any type of a team that's been really good. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said about, uh, like you said, uh, sharpening your teeth, I guess you could say in uh, a situation that isn't perfect. Yeah, I, I, I think there, there's something to be said about that. Independence, we're going to be good this year, man. We we are undefeated, or beatless, right. as we call it here. Um, and I, I, hey, if if we end the season right now, I think we're third, and that technically means we've made the playoffs, and we're hosting <laughs> a playoff game. Yeah, uh, we're we're winless. So. We're winless, and I think we're like 14th or something. So oh, not no. so great. Yeah, <laughs> ah, standings don't matter though. Yeah, it, that's right. Uh, Power rankings don't matter. Those things are all silly until uh, until you're on well, top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or until whenever we actually begin to play again, if it ever happens. But regardless, uh, what was I'm trying to find a, a distinct way of bridging the gap between here and uh, <laughs> New Mexico United? But it, it feels like the gap is widened. Uh, regardless. There's a lot of soccer for me between there. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I moved uh, around high school years. I moved to Philadelphia. Oh, wow, um, okay. And that was that was around the uh, the time when uh, when the Philadelphia Union came around. Uh, so I was a son of Ben. Uh, it was mm. my first real experience involved in supporters culture. I wasn't in leadership or anything like that. I was yeah. just part of it, which was really great. You know, I've got my sons of Ben scarf right behind me. I don't know if you can see it. Not very good podcast material. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, listeners but, look over your shoulder. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, that was my first experience, uh, with, with supporters culture. And I learned a lot, not that I ever planned on leading a supporters group ever, but yeah. I, I learned a lot about what I, what I would, if I, now I know like, well, what I learned there is what I would like to do and what I would like to do differently. Cause there's good yeah. and there's bad with every supporters group and with every organization outside of soccer. Um, so I learned some things that I thought were really great, and I learned some things that I thought were not so great, and I tried to implement the ones that I liked. Um, so I think that that was big for me. Again, especially being there in their first year too. I was I was there when when the union first came around, and um, it was really really cool to see kind of that start from scratch and the SOBs really start out of nowhere. Um, it was great. It was really great. How old were you about when you that first year for the Sons of Ben? Uh, I was. 
16, 17, something like that. Okay. And, yeah. and do you have any distinct memories or, or things you look back on and say, and, and feel, look back fondly on of, of those early years or, or the years you were there in Philadelphia? Uh, as far as, uh, as far as soccer goes? Yes, as far as yeah. soccer goes. <laughs> uh, I would say, I mean, it was really cool to see, and this is something that, you know, I mentioned I'd take some things that I really liked and tried to use them uh, myself, was it was really cool to see the community rally around the club and the supporters group really dive into that and lean into that. Um, and, you know, the supporters group being about more than just, you know, being loud and rowdy, which is a huge part of it and very important, but yeah. about supporting the community. Um, you know, they did a lot of fundraisers for charity, and they still do. The Sons of Ben are a great organization. Um they did a lot to support their community. Um, and that was something that I now in retrospect realize, okay, I, I kind of learned how you're able to do that as an independent organization. Um, you know, lean on the connections you have, whether it be with the club or with community organizations, um, but to remain independent and to do things the right way uh, and to really support your community because ultimately it's about that more than it's about the soccer. Um, and I learned that there. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, to be honest with you, that's something I'm, personally like trying to work through i guess you could say like mm. the outside of soccer the off the pitch out of the 90 minutes whatever buzzword you want to throw together yeah uh how to put that together i guess you could say and and be effective and creative and all those fun things that we didn't, uh, we didn't do my that mind. yeah we didn't do that quite as well in year one um mm. you know and i think <clears throat> excuse me i mean for us we were again, starting from scratch with the curse. Yeah. And, you know, goal in, in year one was just, let's be there, let's support the club, and let's be as loud as we can. Um, and we did that. And we did that really well. But, <laughs> again, you know, in the back of your mind the whole time, you're thinking, okay, we can we can do more. We can benefit our community more. We are a supporters group. And, you know, the community supports us, so let's support the community back. Um, and I think we've really taken a lot of steps this year to implement that. Um, you know, we have a community specifically dedicated towards community outreach. Um, and I think that's just, it's a hugely important part of what we do. Like I said, we didn't do it as well as we were like last year. We did a couple charity things and a couple support things here and there. But yeah. I think we've, even with, with you know, how things have gone off the rails with everything this year and COVID and all that, you know, I still think we've done a, a much better job of being part of the community, a community organization. Yeah, I think not to... Uh sound like i'm blowing smoke or anything but i think it's been as far removed as i as i am obviously location wise from new mexico it's been remarkable to see what the curse has been able to pull off because i can only imagine being in the driver's seat of a situation like that where it feels like things are going a hundred miles an hour and you're like trying to figure out things here and there and like find people that are doing that are able to do things well. Like I can only imagine what it's like because I'm on a, a, a different perspective of things where things aren't running 100 miles an hour. So to spin that into a question, as good podcasters <laughs> do, that's that's what we call um, a segue in the business. <laughs> what was it like in the the very early on where you, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine you have 150 ideas you want to implement and then things are going really well and you've 
seemingly got all these people that are going to these games. How, what was it like in the in the midst of all that? Uh, in a word, overwhelming. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's really how you sum it up. But mm. you know, when we <clears throat> started the group, there were six of us. Uh, we met at a brewery. Uh, we said, "Hey, we want to do a supporters group. Let's figure it out." We came up with the name "The Curse" that day. One of the guys had like the whole story behind the name, which was like we can get into, which is an amazing story. But yeah, um, it's uh, so we have all these ideas, and and we you know we're writing all this stuff down, and we're like, "All right, we got to come up with a logo, and we got to." We got to figure out how to get like a bank account and how do we do all this stuff? None of us know what we're doing. Um, yeah. And <laughs> our goal, we set a goal that day at the brewery there, Steelbender Brewyard. I remember it. And our goal was, all right, by the end of the year, end of season number one, our goal, we want to have 50 members. We want to be loud and have 50 members by the end of yeah. the year. Um, by the end of the year last year, we had 550 paid members, oh, which is okay, way more than we ever expected. Um, yeah. And it was, and it was, so that gets to your point where you're saying, you know, it's going a million miles a minute and you have all these people, you, when you have that, you know, level of interest, the, the, the club just caught on fire in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know how much you know about Albuquerque or, or, or New Mexico. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's a down on its luck state. You know, we, we're, mm -hmm. we're a place that people talk down to us a lot. Uh, yeah. people, you know. You know, whether you're from Texas or Arizona, you think you're better than New Mexico, you know, um, yeah. and and I think the state just identified so much with this club whose identity was, you know, you can talk smack on us all you want, but we're going to be really good at this. And mm. uh, it just it, it resonated so well with people. And so when people got on board with that and then they came to a match and they saw us with our smoke bombs and our flags and our drums they wanted to be part of that and it was mm. tough to keep up <laughs> it yeah. really really was which is again a good problem to have um but we're like okay we got to put in another order of scarves we didn't expect this but yeah. um it's you know at the was... end of the day it's still a problem which yeah it, it's got to have a solution uh, ultimately um which like i said i can't even imagine going through that's an experience like that. Cause I would be in the same position as you thinking, okay, 50 members will be great. If we have yeah. 50 members. We'll be fantastic. And you've got yeah. however many times that is, um, I'm bad at math, <laughs> uh, going to self-identify that. But, uh, so what was it like being in the midst of all that? Do you think that in to, to actually ask her as a question, what, what do you think New Mexico United did really well to get those people to go to games, to be, to want to be involved with the curse. Was it leaning into that underdog mentality or, or what do you think it was that New Mexico United did really well? Yeah, I think it was a perfect storm um, of leaning into the underdog mentality. First and foremost, you know, mm -hmm. you can talk smack all you want. We'll just beat you on the field. Um, and then a big part of it was this state has been a soccer state for a long time. And I think a lot of people just didn't know it. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a great youth soccer system here. You know, we have a, a, a soccer history with the Chili's and the Geckos, you know, from decades ago. Um, and I think it's just it kind of awoke the beast, really. Um, you know, UNM men's soccer was cut by the university 
two years ago, which we all hated. We were all up in arms about that. We loved going to the Lobo, Lobo matches. Um, and so I think it was an outlet for the people who are missing soccer there. I think it was an outlet for families who wanted something to do on a Saturday night. I yeah. think it was an outlet for we have a, a, a pretty thriving Premier League community in this town. The, the Liverpool supporters group is hundreds deep. Um, you know, they there's just it's just it was a sleeping giant, I think, of soccer fandom. And it was just the match when the gas was already in the room. Mm. Yeah. So it was just catching catching that fire and, and moving in a direction that uh well, something positive that can be done with fire. I, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> but but it, uh, it's all yeah. it's all it's all to, to your point, though, positive. You know, it's yeah. that the club uh, is so involved in the community um, and is so community focused. And I think that's what makes a successful club, in my opinion, mm. um, is just one that cares so deeply about the community. And, and we've really kind of followed their example on that and and made that our mantra as well is just it's community first. It's about our people. And, you know, when when the club announced the name United, I kind of rolled my eyes. Uh, sure. I was like, OK, great. West Ham United, Manchester United, whatever. Uh, but, mm. you know, after a little while, it's like, you know what? This makes sense. You know, we, we are a state full of disparate people and disparate cultures and people who, you know, before might not have looked at each other twice. But when we wear black and yellow, it's it's united and it's it's really different and it's exciting. Yeah, I think I was uh, as a, uh, I guess, New Mexico United East supporter, whatever. Supporting... Okay, well, no, no past tense. No was. You oh, yeah, are. Yeah. I am. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, it's it was really cool to see because I, I was right there with you when I saw that the name unveiled. I was like, uh I mean, yeah. it's cool. I did like the crest, I will say, and I still love the crest because I think what it does really well is it doesn't overcomplicate itself. It's I I don't want to say it's iconic because I feel like iconic. You have to have a few years under your belt. Like I look at Louisville's crest, uh, the one they currently have, not the one I was they tried to say switch not the to. One they had for about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, not the one they had for about two weeks. But I look at Louisville's crest, and I'm like, I can. I can draw an identity from that crest because it has some years to it and that kind of thing. Um, obviously, they felt different, which I totally get, and that's a whole other thing. Sure. But uh, it's it was really cool to see. And to be honest with you, to answer your question from before about what I knew about New Mexico, Albuquerque, all those things, I've learned everything from New Mexico United. And I think it's it's also been really cool to see from a distance – what they've been able to create just as a an online family presence and that type of thing it's they are uh, i guess you could say a generic soccer team name but they are a united community it really feels like they they they're, they're pulling that off well so what would you think at the end of the first year I'll ask it this way. At the end of the first of the year, what were your feelings about the club? What, what, what were your feelings about how you went into the season and your expectations therein, I guess you could say? What, like, what, what, what were the overall feelings? Because it was a, a very positive year on the field, but at the same time, it was a, an up-and-down season, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh... 
when the when the season was kind of first getting underway, the first ten matches or so, uh, you know, United came out like a bat out of hell, and uh, you know they were unbeaten for their first I think nine matches, which was the most ever for a, a first year club, and obviously the Open Cup run was ridiculous and enormous, yeah. and you know we chartered a friggin' airplane to Minnesota, you know that's that's that, oh, yeah, that's did that didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we chartered an airliner. Um, that was weird and amazing, um, but. <laughs> You know, so so you had those high highs, and then you had the the post Open Cup lull, where you know they went from first in the league to for a while they were twelfth, and they just sneak into the playoffs, and um, which was great. That the playoff, the match against Las Vegas to clinch the playoff spot was uh, you know up there with with great moments in my football life. Um, but post season, you know, we lose in the first round to Sacramento. Um, you know, you take a minute and you take stock of the year that just happened. And, you know, the whirlwind that was the past, what, five months. And mm. what the hell just happened? Like, <laughs> it's yeah. the first time I've been able to breathe in five months. Um, mm. And I got to tell you, I was exhausted by the end. Um, mm. You know, I, I as, a, as an individual, have always had an issue. I've always had difficulty. It's a personal flaw of mine that I, I have trouble delegating mm. um, because... You know, I want things to get things to get done right. I was like, okay, if I do it, I know it'll get done right. Um, one thing that I really, really worked on in the off season was delegating better, um, and that has made all the difference in year two uh, for me. You know, we completely changed the structure of the curse. You know, we had before we had president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, and that was it. Uh, and so it was the four of us doing everything for 550 people, which is just not feasible so we changed that to having those four positions plus six committees headed by committee chairs and it's so much better more people can take ownership it's awesome so i think that was one of the big parts for me it was like i need to delegate better and really allow the curse to grow and allow people to take ownership of it and again i think that's that's ideal and it's been great um but as far as the season itself goes i was just i think the thing that i felt more than anything was just gratitude um, you know, the ability to be part of something like that, um, you know, I'll never, I'll never be part of something quite like that again. You know, we'll, we'll always have our club and I will always support this club and I'll always be involved, but there's never anything quite like the first year, you know, uh, especially when it's as magical as that one was. I mean, again, the open cup run to play three MLS clubs, to beat two of them, to play all those matches on the road, <laughs> you know, we yeah. had bus trips and plane trips and, and it was, it was just yeah, you just you you look back at it and you're just like I I can't believe we just went through all of that. Um, and I'm glad I saved all my ticket stubs. Yeah, there's, there's little things like that that you're like, ooh, I've got to have a memento from this from this moment. Are are you a a I, I'm looking at your your scarf wall right now and your Arsenal kits and everything, but are you a, a collector of, of soccer memorabilia? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, you know. Uh, most of the kits you'll see back there are from soccer trades with other fans. Oh, I don't yeah. necessarily collect club kits. I like to collect mm. supporters, I mean, scarves rather. I like to collect supporters group scarves. Yeah, those yeah. are more important to me. Um, it's because those are the people. That's the grassroots, you know. Mm. Um, I've got, obviously I've got my United scarves, but that's that's different. Um, yeah, and every step along the way, and I'm I'm really grateful that I did this, but I was I was just saving things. You know, I've got my ticket stubs. I have my ticket stub from when we chartered that airplane. I saved that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I've got my my Wonderwall scarf from the Minnesota people when we went up there. Yeah. Um, you know, and 
you know, photos are, are priceless in this situation as well. And again, we, we're going to continue building. We're going to continue getting better. But that first year will always be special. It will always be amazing to me. Mm. Do you have anything like a, I'll say a, a top three, because I'm not a, a, a number one top thing. But do you have like three things that you look back on? What Maybe outside of New Mexico United, but three soccer things that you hold near and dear to your heart. Oh, Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, some of them are going to be New Mexico United. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, so I'll start with the New Mexico United ones. Um, beating the Colorado Rapids in Denver uh, in the round of 32 of the Open Cup uh, was special. And it was, in my opinion, for me, more special than when we beat Dallas in the following round because yeah. that was our first opportunity to show that we belonged. You know, we were we were the we were the underdogs. We were the lower league club, quote unquote. I don't like that term, but yeah. we were the lower lower league club competing, you know, at their place at this gorgeous stadium in Denver. Um, and we had the opportunity to prove that we belonged, and we did. And we won, uh, and it was just the way we won it. You know, Kevon Frader scores in the ninety third minute, you know, to to tie it for us, and then we you know we end up going to PKs and win it. Again, in PKs, in their stadium, we had more fans than they did, than the MLS club. We were louder. It was just, it was a perfect moment. Uh, you know, we're all arm in arm as Chris Weehan strikes it into the top corner for the winning penalty. And we all, I cried. I cried there. Uh, yeah, no I'm shame not, in that. Yeah, I'm not ashamed to admit that at all. It was so cool. And then again, a couple weeks later, we, we take the bus to Dallas and we do our thing there. Um, so that's, that's going to be one of the three. The other one, uh, one of the other ones would be, uh, chartering that plane to Minnesota. Um, you know, after we, you know, we won in Dallas and the open cup and, uh, we were on a bus, you know, we took a bus to and from Dallas, which is, you know, no small feat from, from Albuquerque. And, uh, so we get on the bus after the match, we're all pumped up and I look at my phone and I've got, I don't know how many messages saying, Hey, how are we getting to Minnesota? Are we getting a bus to Minnesota? I was like, no, we're not getting a bus to Minnesota from Albuquerque. <laughs> And we're trying to think, like, how are we going to – there's no way we can get there. You know, we looked at, at airline flights, and it's like $800 round trip because it's relatively last minute. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was I was thrilled with the with the win, you know, in Dallas. But part of me is like, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm letting people down. I don't have a way to get us there. I don't know what to do yeah. in this situation. It's a lot of responsibility to uh, to take on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but I was – yeah, I was, I was kind of disappointed. But, um, you know, I, I had a conversation with Peter Trevisani, the owner of the club, um, and with Ron Patel, uh, who, was, who was one of our head guys and now is the, uh, the GM over at RGV. Um, and uh, <laughs> Peter, uh, if you've ever had the chance to talk to Peter, he is the eternal optimist, uh, and he's never met a challenge that he can't overcome. Um, and so he just, sometimes he'll have these ideas, and you'll think, Okay, yeah, that's that would be great if we could make that happen. But it's a little ridiculous for just every single one of us to be like, yeah, let's charter an airplane. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. Peter says, let's chart. Let's just get an airplane. And Ron and I just kind of chuckle I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's get an airplane. Yeah. Okay. Then <laughs> Ron, uh, again, uh, starts making some phone calls and I start making some phone calls to our par partners for the curse and uh, local credit union. First financial credit union says, yeah, we want to donate 
a large amount of money to like supplement the cost of plane tickets for people. Wow. And we're like, could we actually do this? And like, all right, how, is right, this legal? Like, how right. does this even work? Right. Like tax, like what are the tax implications on this? Like, how does yeah. this work? We can't just give people money and say, go buy a plane ticket. Like they could just keep the money, you know? Yeah. And so then we got a couple other donations and then we're like, what if we did charter an airplane? And we did, <laughs> we got an airplane. It, it took a lot of work. And I spent about a week at the United club office, uh, there working day and night with Ron and, and Desiree and Peter and, and damn, we got an airplane <laughs> and we flew yeah. there. Um, and the Minnesota fans were the nicest people in the whole world. Minnesota nice is a re is a real thing. Uh, they had uh, a six pack of local beer for every United fan who showed up. Wow. Um, and we all hung out at their pub pre-match post-match. It was drink 90 drink. We lost by six goals. Um, <laughs> And uh, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. So that's number two. And then I think number three for me, and again, this isn't in any particular order, but it's the 2003-2004 Arsenal. It's the, it's the Invincibles. Um, oh, you know, yeah. that for me is nothing. I don't think it would be very difficult for anything to top that for me. Um, you know, it's that, I mean, it was just, that was the perfect club. Uh, Thierry Henry is my favorite footballer of all time. And just watching that club was just, it, it was perfect football for an entire yeah. season. That's, uh, it's, like you said, it's hard to top that. It's, I guess New Mexico just has to go undefeated in the year. That's, yeah, I that's guess what they so. got to do. It'll have to be next year because we've already lost in one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. It'll be uh, 2022. Write it down, everybody. That's right. Uh, and to transition, something I'm very curious on from a personal standpoint with you, how did you manage all that was going on with the success of the club and the U.S. Open Cup run and all these members coming in to, to join you in this group, how did you personally manage all those feelings and emotions and as, as well as your, the personal side outside of soccer? How did you manage all those, I don't want to say conflicting things, but, but how did you manage all that? I have a very understanding girlfriend. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the go, amount yeah. of the amount of time I was dedicating to to the supporters group and to the club, um, I would not have blamed her one bit to be like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of done with this. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but she got hooked on the club too. She's never been into <laughs> soccer before last season, and she got hooked. Uh, oh. She loved it, um, and to the point now where she just last month starts. She works for the club now. Uh, she's now an oh, employee, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, that was a big part of it. Um, and, you know, support from other people. You know, I talked about earlier, you know, I, I've had trouble delegating in my life. Um, and I've gotten better at that. And I, it helps when I have such dedicated, awesome, competent, caring people around me. Um, you know, my vice president, uh, RJ Montano, is just is a credit to the club, a credit to the supporters group. Uh, credit to New Mexico, just a great person. And he's in it for the right reasons. It's not about him. It's about support. Um, and there's so many people I could name, uh, you know, my committee chairs this year are absolutely in the same way. So without them to lean on both to get the work done. Um, but in addition to that, just personally, emotionally to say, damn, I need a mental break. Um, uh, I don't think I would have gotten through that. Uh, and you know, they weren't my committee chairs last year, uh, but they were my friends. Um, and, you know, there's a whole group.
group of friends, you know, people that you just met through the supporters group. You never would have met them before. Yeah. Uh, but they quickly become your family. Um, and, you know, without a group of those people, you know, the, the curse, while they were the, the curse was the reason that I was going crazy. The curse was also the thing that kept me sane, if that makes uh, sense. Yeah. You know, it's a ton of work, yes. but you, you fall in love with the family. Um, and there are so there are hundreds of them. Uh, that I that I can now call family and that kept me sane throughout that entire process and still do. Um, and and they're why why we all do what we do. Mm. And then what has it been like as somebody who is not from New Mexico, Albuquerque, this area to find I don't want to assume too much, but I, I think I can I think I can say this that you've found an identity in the club in a local tie to the area what has it been like to have something you love so dearly being soccer what has it been like in that case yeah yeah i love that question um so you know i told you i moved down around quite a bit i lived in seven states um Mm -hmm. new mexico was my seventh i came here for work i was a tv reporter um, I came here uh, to work at, a, at the ABC affiliate here in Albuquerque. And when I got here, I was on a three-year contract. Mm. And I said, I'll do my three-year contract and I'll get out. I don't, I don't really want to be in New Mexico. You know, like what, what's, what's there to do in New Mexico? There's nothing, nothing to be there for. So, yeah, do my three years and then I'll move up to the next market. Three years came and went. <laughs> and uh, here I am. Uh, I, I fell in love with the state. Um, I did, never expected that. I fell in love with the people. Yeah. Um, they are, again, I've lived in seven states. I've never met kinder, more genuine people than in New Mexico. Um, they genuinely care about you, um, about your well-being, about, you know, all the stuff you can say, you know, there's all the, the knocks on New Mexico. People talk, like to talk about, you know, car thefts and, and poor education and, and, you know, some of those things have, have some merit, but we don't talk enough about the, the wonderful things that happen here in the hearts of New Mexicans and how much they care about their fellow people. Um, you know, yesterday, just yesterday, we had this gratitude parade where a uh, hundred vehicles, curse members and United fans went around to the major hospitals in downtown. And we just had a parade with a police escort. And we thanked all of the, the medical professionals and frontline workers. Um, mm-hmm. We honked our horns. We waved our giant flags and, um, you know, you're not going to get that everywhere. Um, you're not going to find people who care that much to take the time out of their weekend to line up and and thank medical professionals. And they donated their PPE so that the medical professionals could have them. Like, wow, that's, yeah. the, that's the stuff that I fell in love with. I fell in love with the hearts of New Mexicans. Um, and so, again, that three years became me staying here. And this is this is my home now. Um, and so when, when, when soccer was announced here, um, you know, I was a fan of the Albuquerque Soul and the PDL. Uh, before that um but when when a a usl club was announced i was so excited i was so so excited um because i'd seen in philadelphia kind of the uniting power that soccer can have in a community uh and so when i saw that coming here i was so excited about what that could mean for this community and it has exceeded my wildest expectations since then Mm. i think if i were to continue to ramble and ask more questions i would be doing this episode of poor justice and and you good sir i uh i thank you very much for taking the time and sharing your experiences and your your story and it's uh my my video camera is very bad but i'm 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 gleaming from uh, <laughs> from from secondhand 
experience and, and everything you've been sharing. It's, it's, it's truly remarkable to see what New Mexico United has been able to pull off and the curse more, more specifically. I mean, I think it's, it's we're, remarkable we're, to, to witness from a distance, of course, but, but what everyone and you and, and everything considered has been able to pull off. Well, thank you. I, it's again, it's uh it really has been a community effort. It's so many people uh, who have made it happen, and without the community, it doesn't exist. Two things. Uh, I, well, first mm-hmm. of all, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Uh, but two things. One, uh, we got to get you uh, on the curse cast soon. Yeah. Um, and number two, when this is all over, you got to get out to Albuquerque for a match. You got to come out. Mm-hmm. Got to come out. Come out for Meow Wolf Night or for Cinco de Mayo <laughs> or one of the one of the big. It, it's it's a lot of fun. So we'll get you out there. Yeah, I need to. Uh... Obviously, you don't get a, a, a stamp for a state, but I need my uh, my soccer passport That's stamped right. with New Mexico. We'll get you uh, a scarf. How about that? That Even better. I'll have a, a physical memento. But uh, without further rambling, <laughs> thank you so much for joining the podcast, David.